0: If you have a Bible, um, the passage we're going to be reading from is Colossians 3, um, the second half of that chapter, or the midway point of that chapter really, verse 12 through to 17. It's all part of this idea of what growing church looks like and um, we've been thinking about that idea of what does it mean to grow, what does it mean to uh, develop, and particularly what does it mean as we grow and we become a church that enables one another to change, that actually we become different sorts of people. I don't know if you've been following the news this week, but um, all the thing about Facebook and Cambridge Analytica. It's one of those news things that if you don't catch at the beginning... You're kind of feeling, as it goes on, what's actually happening? But um, it's all about how, many of you will know, how Cambridge Analytica, this group, um, have taken data um, from Facebook and then have used it in different ways. And lots of people are claiming lots of things um, about how this data is being used and how it would seek to be used. People are claiming that actually uh, some of the elections might have been uh, influenced by things that you've been targeted with on Facebook. The idea that people get hold of who you are and then are able to kind of shape you in a certain way. None of us want to believe that. None of us want to believe that actually happens to us. But clearly there's a lot of people who think it probably does. It's a little strange, isn't it? Some days, do you ever wonder whether you're being stalked because you'd bought something and then it keeps popping up on your thing and you, thinking, or even sometimes, even sometimes I don't know if this this can't be true, but it's almost like sometimes I'm thinking about buying something, and it's coming up, and I'm going, "How do you do that?" But this idea that you're kind of someone's wanting to sway you, shape you in a certain way, and because of the Facebook stuff and and uh, just. Because of the whole internet and all of that's made possible, which is brilliant. And I I don't actually, I'm not surprised by this. I think everything that's brilliant, everything that comes from being part of the image of God, including this sort of stuff, inevitably gets warped and twisted. Because it's the story of the Bible. We're created and we're flawed and yet things can be redeemed. So I'm not kind of surprised by it. But the two things that become most important to you and most precious to you are your identity your identity, who you are. And uh, some of you will know the difficulty if someone gets hold of your identity details. We got sent two credit cards this week that we didn't apply for, which was nice. <laughs> Paid the church weekend away. I'll pay for all of you. <laughs> Rang up, I said, uh, we, didn't, we didn't apply for these. We've got 15,000 pounds worth of credit, but we've not applied for them. And they said, no. Probably not. But somebody somewhere had got um, my address details, my name, my full name, my, my address details, and my birthday. Now, I don't know where on earth they would have got that sort of information from. Do you know, Max, it's all coming into place now. It's all... Someone's got hold of who I am and using my identity to apply for things. And so your ID, your your own ID becomes really important. But equally important is that idea of who are you becoming, and who's actually shaping you in who you're becoming. Who's having the most influence in the sort of person you're becoming? Who's actually enabling you to become the person you are. And I suppose the other kind of element of that is, are you happy about who you're becoming? (laughs) Now often we can't tell what sort of person we're becoming. It's other people who tell us what sort of person we're becoming. It's why it's difficult when other people go, "You, you know, you're getting really grumpy. And you're going, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. But actually they see something. Or actually you're kinder than you used to be. It's kind of like one of those brilliant black, backhanded compliments, isn't it? It's kind of like, if there's a good way of taking this, I'll take it. But who you're becoming, what sort of person you are. Last week, we looked at this idea that we are, as Christians, we live our lives on the coattails of Jesus. What happens with Jesus is true of us too. And he includes us in a history of death and resurrection and ascension, and actually that we will be with him in glory. And because of that, what we said was, it's important then that... That part of us, that old part of us, that we we do actually put it to death. Sin will kill us. And um, it's whether it will kill us or whether we put it to death. But the three things that Paul had spoken about and said these three things can't last were sexual immorality and all that goes with that. Anger and rage and all that goes with that. And then racism and exclusion and arrogance and superiority and all that goes with that. Those things, we can't claim to follow Jesus and live like that. For these things will kill us in the end. And last week, when I kind of finished preaching, there was like a moment where I really got somber. Because it was that idea that actually all those things are not over there in other people. They're actually in us. They're in me. And if I'm serious about following Jesus, I've got to take that seriously as well. Well, today, we kind of change tack away from the things that are so will bring you down to the things that actually create you to be a different person. And this is how Paul picks it up in verse 12. Therefore, as God's people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God, the Father, through him. Paul's idea was that these little churches that were scattered around the Roman Empire, and this one, of course, in that place Colossae, in what we would call Turkey, that these little churches would become alternative societies. That you join a church and it would be kind of like a new family. And very literally, in these little churches, when there was no other state provision for people, that these communities would make sure that the elderly were always cared for. That if you were a widow and you had no means of protection and you had no family who could care for you, the community would care for you. And if you were an orphan and you had no means of family support, the community would actually support you. They would take you in. It's kind of like this alternative family. An alternative economic uh, unity is that we would share with one another. We would see one another. And when we're in need, we'd go, why ever that may have happened, we're going to help you. You're not on your own. It was an, an alternative Um, allegiance where together we said Caesar is not Lord but Jesus is Lord we would eat together we would worship together we would demonstrate what it means to follow Jesus together people would look at us as a community and go wouldn't it be great if it was like this all the time that's what Paul had in mind but for that to happen I need to change. Because left to my own devices, I'm much more selfish than that would make possible. And so it really goes back to something we said last week. How does Paul imagine that change happens? He talked about these Two elements. He said, set your hearts on things above and set your minds on things above. Your heart and your mind. And, and Paul's got sort of recognizing that actually there is a heart issue. There's something deep inside us that might be wounded or just might be sinful. But that needs to be dealt with. But that's actually a way of thinking that needs to change as well. And both of those things happen over time. But our hearts and our minds change. So when Paul begins, it's really easy, isn't it? Two things in a sermon like this. Two things are really easy. One, it just sounds like your mother telling you off. All right, just be nice. All right. And secondly, it can lead us to think, right, I'm going to turn over a new leaf. I'm going to try harder. And both those things are actually wrong. Because one is, I'm just going to be nice. No, there's more to it than that. And the other thing is, it's not you trying harder. There's something that flows out of your heart and the way you think because of who you are and who you're becoming. And that's why Paul begins with these three descriptions of the people in the church. He says, therefore, brothers and sisters, as people who are chosen, holy, and dearly loved. That's who you are. Now he picks up and... Any of you who've been around long enough will hear the echoes of the Old Testament here. Of course. It's a chosen people. What does it mean to be chosen? Well, actually, you're chosen for a purpose. God set you apart for a reason. He's brought you. He's done it. He put his hand upon you. It wasn't you choosing to be a Christian, but God got hold of you. and You surrendered. That's a much better way of describing what's going on here. I've been chosen and wanted. Been marked out. For a purpose. Chosen. Some of you, do you remember, I don't know if this happened with girls, but it certainly happened with boys. Do you remember at school when you were lining up in the playground to play football? And the guy who owned the ball, he was always the captain. And then the biggest kid was the captain of the other team. And then the rest of us were just against the wall. And you're desperate not to be the final one chosen, or even worse, than not being chosen last worse, we'll give you two if you take him. <laughs> it's, like, it's like I'm that bad. But the feeling of being wanted was so different. We really want him. And it's that feeling. That Paul's talking about here. That's the story. That God looks at you and goes, I really want Chris. Chris is now looking very worried. (laughs) Chosen. Secondly, holy. Now the problem is we put holy in this sort of context. And holy sounds like perfect sort of halo around your head type person. But holy doesn't mean that in the Bible really. What it means is set apart for use by God. That's what holy stuff was. It's not that it was perfect. It's not, but it was actually set apart for God's purpose. That's who you are, chosen and holy, set apart for God. And then finally, dearly loved. Just loved beyond expectation. The truth is, sometimes you don't feel like that. Sometimes you don't think you're good enough for that. And last week we sang this song, um, that addresses when, when you don't feel like that because you've mucked up yet again, how do you address it? And it's that verse when Satan tempts me to despair and he tells me of the guilt within. Upward I look and I see him there who made an end of all my sin. Because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free for God the just is satisfied to look on him and pardon me. That's how you address your own sense of inevitable inadequacy. I look at Jesus, I recognize that in him He paid the price. I recognize in him that He has sent me free. So if I always remembered this, what might be possible? If you knew, and you always remembered that you were chosen holy and dearly loved, what could? be possible. don't want to embarrass you, but I'm going to ask you to turn to someone who looks really intelligent and ask them that question and get them to talk to you just for a moment or two. All right. Or you can just talk about the weather. I don't really mind. (laughs) But if you knew that or when you know that or because you know that, what difference does that make? This won't take long, so talk quick. When you feel like that what happens? What becomes possible? What goes on? Just somebody shout some stuff out. What happens when you feel like that? When you remember that's who you are? You're free. You're free. You feel freer. You're not bound by what other people think of you perhaps and other things. What else? You're You're secure. There's a sense of actually I'm working so therefore I don't constantly need other people to say, you're okay, you're okay, you're okay. I'm working from a secure base. What else? Lifted. Lifted. And, encouraged. and encouraged, yeah. That sense of actually I can live a little lighter because I know who I am. Anything else? A proper perspective on where you are and what's going on around you and, and your part to play in that as well. A responsibility, it comes with a responsibility for other people. It definitely does. If I'm living, if I've got this, then I've been gifted this as a privilege. So how do I live with a responsibility for other people? I'll come to that in a moment. Just honoured that someone would say that about you. You know, it works, doesn't it? It works on any number of levels. It works. Forget God for a minute. It works on a human level. When someone says that about you, you know the difference that makes to your life. How much more when it's God that says it about you, who really knows you. This is who we are. And therefore, Paul said, this is the community we are becoming. A community of compassion, a community of kindness of kindness, clothing ourselves with kindness, of gentleness, of humility, of just not being that bothered about yourself all the time, but actually willing to live for others, and people who are patient. The problem is all of these things sound really kind of motherhood and apple pie. It all seems like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't seem like very cutting edge or sort of like important, but actually, often people are starving for a smidgen of kindness. Um, before the service today, um, I was praying with Nev. We were praying together about this service, and um, Nev told me a story, and because there was only two of us, he has to tell it again. <laughs> so. It's okay, it'll come. Is it coming
1: on? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, so we're just all sort of saying, I remember how I thought I was first in church, I uh, first got saved, and...
0: Uh, and then it was not far away from Christmas. The Christmas was coming, and um, normally for me, Christmas was kind of a little subdued affair. I get a couple of Christmas cards, and that was about it. And I'd struggle a little bit relationship-wise. And uh, but now I was I was a Christian in the church, and I got to Christmas,
1: and uh, oh, it's like I got a Christmas card off everybody, and and just the impact of that collective gift. I had a like a windowsill full of Christmas cards, and. Uh, I thought, oh, I feel loved. <laughs> just because everybody
0: had just done that little thing, it made a big big impact, a big impression on me. I felt,
1: you know,
0: this, I, I've come into something and uh, can yeah. feel secure and feel loved and changed my perspective, really. Just a small, just thanks ever so much, Neff, thanks. Just a small story. <laughs> you used to get two... Cards that he put on the mantelpiece. He got a whole stack of cards he puts on the windowsill so everybody else can see. (laughs) (laughs) Just the small acts of kindness that make one young man go, you belong. Now, we were chatting, you know, we were chatting it all through, and the problem is that sometimes it just feels like, well, there's two things, aren't there? Sometimes we're so busy with our own lives that we forget. And sometimes we underestimate what a simple act of small kindness, the difference it can make to someone else. The acts of kindness that you're involved with matter. They are the equivalent of a, cold water, a glass of cold water because people are absolutely desperate for some signs. So every time this is the sort of people we become, this is the sort of church we want to be. Those sort of qualities within us. But because we're not perfect, because we're not perfect, he goes on and says, bear with one another and forgive one another and love one another and let Jesus' peace rule and be thankful for for people and be thankful to and give thanks to one another you see when you look at that it sounds really good and then back on planet earth it's kind of like oh yeah wouldn't it be great to join a church like that yeah wouldn't it be great i'd love to lead a church like that it'd be (laughs) be great to to be part of a church like that we all want to be part of a church like that And then we realize, actually, it's people like me and you, with all our foibles and all our failings. And we're not perfect. So therefore, if you want to be that sort of church, you've also got to be that sort of church where you bear with one another. Bear with one another. That's not a language we would use outside of church. It means put up with one another as they are, not as you would wish them to be. Forgive one another. Why do you need to forgive one another? Because people will upset you. It's kind of like the first thing to know about joining any church, and certainly joining our church or wherever, anything, you will be upset from time to time. Suck it up and forgive. (laughs) It's not very... Yeah, sorry. Uh, Anyway... (laughs) For those of you for whom that offended, then do it very gently and kindly and patiently. And Thank you. The little Jiminy cricket on the front here. <laughs> but there's a sense of the truth of that, is there not? That actually, we can easily, if we're not careful, go from that and then judge one another when we fail. Because people don't step up to our own expectations. But actually, Paul's really clear all the way through. No, no, no. In the real world, you're going to have to do this too. You'll have to give time to one another. You will need to forgive one another. You will need to love one another you will need Jesus' peace to rule in your hearts. It's that kind of word of um, umpire. It's like Jesus will be the umpire of your heart. Jesus, The peace of Jesus will be the one that goes, no, don't say that. Or that was out of order. And give thanks. Be grateful for the people around you. And then help one another, Finally. How do you help one another? And Paul says three things. Firstly, let the message of Christ dwell among you. Let Jesus' ways build their house here. Richly, as you teach and admonish one another. It's kind of like together, we're helping one another grow in this life. We're teaching one another and admonishing. There's another word you don't use outside of church. But admonishing is kind of like a, 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 a bringing back into line word. It's like, I think that was out of order. But we do it for one another. And then he says, And do that as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Kind of really interesting what Paul does. Is he says, how are you going to help one another? You're going to sing that's how the biggest help you'll give one another is you'll sing. You'll sing psalms, you'll sing songs, you'll sing the songs that the Spirit gives, and that will shape one another. Now, in our tradition of worship, actually, what we tend to do is uh, sort of we, we work through and then we get to a point where we all close our eyes, which is a good thing. You know, I understand why we do it, because it's like our moment. But actually, in that moment of when we are approaching God for ourselves, we are doing it for one another. When I sing, I sing for you. Can I go back to that bit about being grateful? (laughs) Um, (laughs) When I sing, I sing for you. When we pray, we pray out loud for you. It's not about my personal experience of a God, it's about us. It's like, is this helping you? It's why at the end of each worship service you should turn to the person next to you and go, thank you very much, that was really helpful. I'm glad you're going. Because it's not about our quality of voice is that actually I'm not sitting here as an isolated unit. I'm here for you. And that means, therefore, whatever I do, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God, the Father true, so that whatever you do, whether it's football or cooking or working or your spreadsheets or creating stuff or bringing up your family or ideas for work or studying, whatever it is, I'm going to do it for the glory of God. Because that's the sort of people we are. Paul pictures these little groups scattered around the empire. Alternative communities. Who are building one another up. And saying, look at who we're becoming. We might be growing, but actually it's much more important to think about who you're becoming as you grow. And how do I help you? How How do I help Cameron grow? I'll sing to you, <laughs> <laughs> which, I granted, sounds more like a threat than a promise, but I'll be there, patient, compassionate, and when we let each other down, we'll forgive, and we'll pick ourselves up again, and we'll give thanks. And so we will change, is the picture that Paul has. Just before I sit down, just that question that sometimes one want to ask. What's going through your head? What are you thinking? Let's come in
1: thinking about you know those alternative communities and obviously they had it you know ancient through the the old testament times and the early followers of jesus were doing it as well i was thinking about what type of society we want to be as well yeah Uh, and obviously we have governments that tell us you know we want to be this whatever big society whatever the slogan is for the government at the time but just thinking this week about and seeing things on the news about people that are are in poverty and how many are in poverty in this country, let alone in some of the countries where 14 million people are starving, like in Yemen or whatever. But in this country, in older more, whatever, like seven out of 10 kids are in below the poverty line or whatever. And I was just thinking about this is much bigger than just church, isn't it? This is, this is what a difference could this make to the world? like. Yeah. And if we're, trying, we're trying our best to mould it here, but it should have an effect out. out on the yeah. community and the community should start to do this and i mean even yesterday for example with this claremont cleanup which was organized by a mixture of christians and non-christians and uh, just cleaning up your streets mm. like loving your streets by picking up litter and people were saying oh doesn't it look brilliant like oh we want to do this more often and it's like a little act of random act yeah. of kindness but it spreads out and yeah. what a better communities could we be if if this was something that, you know, flowed out?
0: I think so. I think it's that sort of inevitable, just that this sort of people do these sort of things, and they do it for the sake of others. And so it stops being that insular thing. But actually, we've become this sort of... We're back to being chosen people. What are you chosen for? For the sake of the world. What else are you thinking? Just just out of interest. Yeah, yeah. Lorna. You don't need to sit on the front row to have an opinion, but it's... um, (laughs)
1: I was it's just easier. thinking about how to remember it. You know, like you said, if we remembered it, that we were wholly chosen and um, loved, <laughs> <laughs> then, yeah, like, I can't remember it now. Um, if we could remember it, then we would do so much better. So I'm sort of think- here thinking, how can I remember it? How can I put some things in place, some
0: practical things, yeah. like find some scriptures that say those things, yeah. or put them up at work,
1: put them up at home, and just try and get that into me more so that I can operate out of that freedom rather than... Yeah, or whatever else.
0: Yeah, there's that a a way of how do you remind yourself that you are these people? Anybody else? What are you thinking? Behind you, you there's Jill and Natalie.
1: Just following on from what Lorna said, also, not just how do we remind ourselves, but how do we remind one another Mm. because we're the ones that will forget and we need each other to help. Yeah, yeah. I was just thinking that it, all of these things kind of operate with a baseline and the baseline is um, loving God and loving each other. Mm. Those sort of commandments that Jesus sort of brings us back to, that we can only teach and admonish each other. We can only sing over each other. We can only bring that sort of flavor into everything that we do when we've got that relationship with yeah. God and that relationship with each other.
0: Yeah, it's true. We never really go very much further than it. We keep, you keep coming back there. It's a thing that matters. Thank you. Sorry, I'm just one of those that needs like a mnemonic or something to remind myself. And just sitting there then thinking that um it's chosen, holy, and loved and dearly loved. It means we're a child of God. Oh, very good. So you've got the C for Wish chosen, yeah. H for holy,
1: yeah.
0: L for loved, and then the D. Just to remind us that we are dearly loved, to bring it all together. Child of God. Do you know that's so irritating? That is so irritatingly good. (laughs) That's a brilliant thing. That is is very good. That's brilliant. Yeah. Behind.
1: Um, But I think it's really important to remember that for God, there's no division between how he sees people in the church and people outside Mm. the church. So that chosen, holy, and loved applies to everybody we're interacting with. The, The truth is, they are chosen. They are holy because Jesus has done it for everybody. They are loved because God loves them as they are. It's just they don't know that or yeah. haven't accessed that. So when we're, it's not that the church are out yeah. doing it. It's like that is the reality, yeah. and people are at different stages of knowing it.
0: Sure. Maybe. Thank you. Maybe one or two more. Just one or two more. Just. Okay, last question then, if I've got time. No, maybe not. So this is a question that doesn't require an answer out loud. But it's the question that we come back to then. So what difference will it make? What will you do different? Knowing you're a child, chosen, holy, loved dearly. Knowing that this is the calling. What, what do you want to become more aware of? What do you need to do for someone else? And let's not make it really big. What do you need to do for someone else this morning? What do you need to do for someone else this morning before you leave? That will flow out of this is the sort of people we are. For the sake of the world.